everyone welcome once again to another episode of anarchy in space, space. good gotta get the s on there it's not complete without the s no i'm nikki b here as always with my good friend and co-host eric heiler how are you doing today eric doing okay doing okay crazy crazy episode it was a crazy episode. It was a it was a, a visually amazing episode. I mean, this is yes, it was. This is one of the ones that really kind of pushed the boundaries of which type of sci-fi that we were in because it definitely had more of like a modern sci-fi feel where they lean heavy into the special effects. Yeah, I kind of wonder how much of the budget for the season this one episode took up. I, I'm going to make a <laughs> guess that it was a pretty good chunk. There was a lot of stuff going on. There was a lot of stuff going on. And the one thing that I'm really excited about this episode is that we're starting to starting to kind of see just how tenuous all of the different sides are in this war that we're kind of in the middle of. Yeah. Um, we don't get a whole lot of Mars in this episode. No, just other than the little phone call to him. But that was about it. Yeah, they, they mentioned a phone call. Yeah. And most of what we get is literally Earth's like, well, we could be fucked. Like, we, we have no way to deal with this. We don't know how to deal with it. Right. All of our cards are going to be in somebody else's hand now. Yep. Because that's just where we are. And so it's it's part of that great anarchic thought where it doesn't matter who you are. Like, you rely on other people. Yeah. No man is an island. So. Like, there's no. <laughs> yeah, there's. Which is funny because, you know, you know, ANCAPs get told all the time how we're we're just the assholes that hate everyone and think that every everyone needs to be completely self-sufficient and deal with no one ever. And that's frankly so far from the truth. That's like, no, we need friends. Like the, <laughs> the whole point in this is that we're, we're trying to lay out a way to maximize relationships to the best possible value for everybody. That's right. Got to leverage stuff for our advantage. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're telling you that since you're going to inevitably be making asshole decisions that benefit you. Yeah. To just know that going into it, that's really the key. Like, we're not the ones assuming. We don't assume the best out of people. Just understand, I am making a dickhead decision here. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to, regardless of what the framework around that is. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, he it, it, it said, Earth puts itself in this position where they, they still think Mars is attacking them, but they literally have to hand off control of half of the a world's nu- nuclear force. Yeah. To the butcher of Anderson Station. It was a, uh, Pretty crazy because then they uh, get this notification that Eros has moved and now Earth is trying to figure out why Eros is moving. And then they find that uh, Fred Johnson says, oh, no, we were just testing an engine on the Nauvoo. And then it turns out it was like, well, yeah, we checked the math on it and they were planning on doing a collision course with Eros. So he's not telling us the truth. Yeah, they know he's lying straight to their fucking Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And yet they still have to trust him. Yeah. And then later on in the episode when they start firing What's what's it they say? Bitcoin fixes that. Yeah, Bitcoin, big Bitcoin fixes this. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, after Earth fires like half of its nuclear arsenal at the thing, it uh, all of a sudden goes off a of radar, and so now they have to trust Fred Johnson and the crew of the Rosinante to provide targeting uh, data. So yep. So it's uh, <laughs> just from the get go. You want you want to start, I guess, back at the beginning where we we find ourselves at the last end of the last episode where Miller's still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Yeah, Miller's trying to figure <laughs> out what just happened, and that's exactly where you know we find ourselves in the beginning of this one. Keep resetting the timer on his uh, pet nuclear bomb. 
<laughs> my little my little pal here. Yeah. So the episode actually starts out with I believe the uh, it, it kind of it's, it's if I remember correctly it's moving very fast between the Rossi and yeah Avasarala on uh, back on Earth with the UM and they're trying to figure. Yeah, he sees the Rasinante in the distance, and it's starting to get a little bit smaller each moment that passes. He's like, if I didn't know any better, I'd think I'm moving, guys. <laughs> yeah. Are you leaving me here? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> and they're like, uh, no, you're moving. Yeah. And then to which Earth or the UN, they're all in the war room trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Like all of a sudden, what was once a space station is now a spaceship. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. A huge asteroid is just now moving under its own power. Well, I love it. At some point in this episode, they go down, they go to try and find out what the hell's going on and what they can do. So they find that crazy scientist that took out his ability to have empathy. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what, what's going on? It's becoming. Yeah. And they're like, well, how do we stop? It's like, you can't. Why would you? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, why would you want to stop it? Yeah, like it's. It's like, let's see what happens next. It was like, eh, 20, you know, billion people are about to die. I mean, what do you mean? What's about to happen next? Oh my God, that's awesome. And and that's kind of, so the motion sets off that Earth decides its best course of action is, well, we're just going to have to blow this fucking thing out of the sky. That's our only chance of survival. Yeah. Send a second wave to, you know, sterilize the area. Yeah. Send half of them to destroy it. <laughs> the other half to make sure that nothing could survive. Right. And so they do. And then all of a sudden it's, it just disappears. Yeah. Just off their screens. So what was a space station that became a spaceship is now a spaceship with stealth. Yes, exactly. And in reality, what's going on is that this particular, the protomolecule, whatever it is done to this area, it, it, it is, has the ability to control physics basically at its whim. Right. So, you know, the Rossi, Fred Johnson, they all notice, oh, my God, this thing's just it's no longer reflecting radar. And Rossi's like, but we're, we have visual on it. Like, we're literally looking at it. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, it's still there. We're staring right at it. So what ends up happening is they it's it then starts trying to get away. So they start chasing it. Yeah. With increasing speed as the episode goes on until eventually like they're about to die. Like that's literally what's going to happen. Yeah, they have to do what they call the 15G burn. So which means they're going to have to go as fast that's going to uh, give them 15 times the Earth's gravity. So they're all literally getting smushed in their seats. Well, I mean, that's why they pump that shit in their veins. Yeah. That's what the, uh, the couches that they call them. Yeah, Amos had a pretty good line on that one. He goes, well, there goes my spleen. Yes, exactly. It was pretty <laughs> fucking funny. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if he actually was his spleen disappearing. but So they're chasing it, and it eventually becomes clear that this this isn't going to work, they don't right. think. So they, they start the second plan of attack, which is, Miller, Yeah, you're at least on this fucking rock. Yeah, take the bomb to its center and blow it up there. Yeah, let's see if we can just blow it up at its core. Who the hell knows what that's going to do? I mean, the thing did live off of nuclear energy up until this point. So yeah. to me, this seems like a weak proposition. Like maybe we're <laughs> going to make things worse. <laughs> let's just give it more, like all at once. So, so Miller, you know, begins what is this insane trek. And, it, and we were talking before this episode, hands down, this is the most beautiful episode today. Like it is just visually, just visually beautiful. Um, the deeper and deeper he goes into this thing, like the more otherworldly the space station begins to get. Yeah. You know, what started out was you'd see like dead bodies occasionally. It's now just tentacles of bright blue light yeah. and, and uh, you know, blue fireflies everywhere. And sometimes those fireflies are like, turned into people. And He's starting to hear voices the deeper he gets into the station. Um, at one point, he sees the little hummingbird again. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's when he makes a realization. Oh, shit. This, this has been reaching out to me. Yeah. It's always been reaching out to me. 
And, and so he comes up with this idea that, well, maybe if it infects, well, the other thing he notices is every step closer he gets, is he's following the heat signature to its core, to its center, its source. Yeah. He realizes he's getting closer and closer to the Blue Falcon, which is? That was the room where Julie Mal finally died. Exactly. They are feast keep finding her way back to ground zero where they came from, Julie Mal. <laughs> Not to be confused with the military Blue Falcon, which is a buddy fucker, so... I have no idea what that is, but um, what I find really interesting is that we're actually probably going to get the most acting out of Julie Mao, like the most, the most dialogue for sure. Yeah, you're going to see her a lot in this, in the end of this episode. So, yeah, and like she's dead, <laughs> she's she's yeah. been dead for a number of episodes, and we're going to get more Julie Mao than we ever bargained for in this one. Which I'm pretty sure that actress was like, wait, you guys are giving me a script? Probably, probably a little bit. Like I've got more than a couple of pages here. What? Like, I'm going to do more than look hot? Like, what? Yeah. Occasionally talk into a camera somewhere? Yes. So Miller keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper until eventually he finds Julie Mao deep at the center, ground zero, which is hilarious. Yeah. Like, there's a line in here. What the hell does he say? He his think, he thinks that she kind of infected the protomolecule in the way that it infected her. And, like, maybe its consciousness is still inside of her somewhere. And so he... Right. And part of it is because he hears the voice in his head talking about the Razorback and taking it home. Yeah. So he gets the idea that uh, Julie Mao has somehow, somehow imprinted her consciousness onto the protomolecule. And she thinks she's driving her beloved ship, the Razorback, to go home. Right. Because she's so fucking tired. Not realizing it's an entire asteroid, you know. Yes. And realizing that going home to Earth is going to smash the fucking thing to bits. But right, I digress. And so you have this... Miller finds his way there. He, he, what the hell does he says to says to him? Back? He's like, they're like, you're trying to, you're gonna try and talk to a girl who thinks she's a space station. Yeah, and <laughs> into in not destroying the earth. Yeah, and it's like, well, it sounds crazy when you say it, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that is ultimately what ends up happening. He tries to go and connect with like right whatever the proto molecule is in this incarnation and convince it to. At least change course. Yes. You know, so he finds his way. He meets Julie Mao. And, you know, she's like a hot chick with a bunch of tentacles coming out of her body. And, <laughs> you know, she she's not as much covered in shit anymore. She's just kind of like a glowing blue entity now. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you can see like the tentacles are kind of like all coming out of her back. And they're going all over the place. Yeah. And then like her, where you were expecting skin sometimes is there and sometimes isn't there. So it's all kind of cloudy looking. It's uh, very, very visually interesting. She looks a lot like Dr. Manhattan in, uh, yeah, New yeah, York. yeah. And, and we're, we're now in a place where the last time they saw Julie Mao, she had crystals growing out of her face, but now you see probably it's almost more human in this form than she was the last time we saw her. Right. So Julie Mao is, uh, you know, now I guess is going to, what do I want to say here? She's going to prove Miller right. Yes. That there is actually something very human left in there. And I, I don't know. To me, I think of, I don't think of it as like an infection so much as I think of it as like a collective consciousness thing. Yeah. Like what she was just didn't go anywhere. It just kind of assimilated her like any other, you know, assimilating collective consciousness entity, the Borg or, yeah. you know, whatever the thing is in the, uh, the movie. What the hell is it there? Slither. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you've never watched Slither, you're missing one of the greatest pieces of <laughs> horror comedy that's ever lived. It was uh, James Gunn, wasn't it? It is. It is the James yeah. Gunn. That's And uh, no matter what anyone says, uh, fuck them. He's one of the greatest directors of our generation. You ever watch Super? 
Yes, uh, that was actually filmed in Shreveport, and really? uh, the house that they used for that uh, for his house it was like a couple of streets down from where I lived. That's crazy. And then uh, that uh, little place that he worked at, uh, Little Joe's, uh, that was right at the end of uh, Kings Highway, right uh, on the corner of that and Centenary uh, College. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I was very familiar with that. Yeah, um, really, really good movie, but fucking tough to watch. Yeah, that one. Yeah, like it's that shit's dark. <laughs> it, it got dark real quick. And Kevin Bacon was a great uh, villain in that. So Kevin Bacon is always a great villain. He's fucking a yeah. lunatic. <laughs> Honestly, my favorite part, like favorite part about the movie, is just like. That, that that whole time period is when they were doing like the they were really really tearing apart the superhero genre. Yeah. Have you ever have you did you ever watch uh, Defendor? Uh, that was the one with Woody Harrelson. Yeah. No, I don't think I've seen that one. That one's actually harder to watch. Oh no. Because like Rain Wilson, he might be like he's just kind of a sad man. Yeah. Defendor, he's genuinely like an autistic man. Oh okay. Like or, or like so you're watching like a, a special person. Okay. <laughs> who doesn't really understand what's going on around him? It's it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> Good movie, like really good, but it's difficult. You know, they they kind of address some of the same issues, like, you know, the violence being very real as opposed to kind of cartoon violence like you usually get in comic yeah. books. But we digress. Yep. If you if you're not a fan of James Gunn, just just know that in Slither there's the joke. Hey, where did where did Chinese people come from? Where? I don't know, it's you know, the joke is. So uh what what's a what's a what's a giant a China? <laughs> Vagina is where vaginese people come from. And Chinese. Learn how to eaves learn how to eavesdrop better. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> it's Nathan Fillion. Whatever he says is gonna be amazing. Yeah, that's all that's all gonna be gold. So and as long as there is a James Gunn movie out there, Nathan Fillion will have a small part. I can only hope. <laughs> Even if it is just a movie poster. Look, I'm just saying we need to bring back Firefly. And can we yeah. take Joss Whedon out of it? Like have him not involved. Just just remove him from the <laughs> Yes, his creation. He he would just fuck it up now. <laughs> That's the thing that kills. Like, I will. This is always going to be my soapbox. It's why I fucking hate what they're doing in Hollywood right now. Like, <laughs> there's so many amazing female characters that like they started creating, and then yeah, and it's not like we didn't have like female action heroes before. I mean, anyone who's watched the Alien trilogy, dude, like the true badass in that show isn't yeah. male. Like in Firefly, like the true badass is is just the fucking you know Wash's girlfriend. What's her name? I can never remember her name. Yeah, you're, I'm drawing a blank. It's been a while since I watched it. Yeah, I, I barely remember. <laughs> the only people I remember on it are like the characters, like our good character actors I like. But, yeah. but the point is, is, like she's the best, like the badass character in the show. Yeah, it's not 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 fucking Mal. Mal just gets all the good lines. He does get the good lines. Yeah, but the point is, is like she, she kicks ass. He's kind of a pussy. Yeah. You know, fucking tank girl. Like, there's, there's just so many good ass-kicking female characters out there. Why do you have to fucking write shitty dialogue that hates men in there? Yeah. Just to alienate the audience that's going to go and pay for the shit. So, you know. Yeah. Unless you're getting paid to do it. Some So division. I don't know. So, uh, anyways, we have, uh, we've gotten here. Miller is talking to Julie Mao as if she's a real person. Maybe she still is. We don't really know. Right. And he's like, he makes the decision. Uh, once again, he just keeps deciding to die. At least give him, you know, credit for being, uh, what do you call it? Consistent. Yes. He's consistently deciding he can, he's okay to die. One could make the argument that he is more consistent than the most consistent motherfucker you know, Dave Smith. It so. wouldn't take much. That guy likes borders, I'm just saying. <laughs> Loves them. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he's talking with her and he's just trying to talk her down from the ledge. And, and, and basically what it amounts to is that whatever form she's in, like she, she kind of wakes up to be with him. Right. And she's like, what's going on with me? Like, where am I? 
Last, you know, she thought she was driving the Razorback back to see her family. Yeah, I mean, that's what she was thinking. Yeah. yeah. And so he's trying to explain to her what's going on without her completely losing her shit. Yeah, without her freaking out. because Which I imagine the entire... God only knows what that would have caused. Yes. And so, you know, he kind of convinces her, hey, put your hand here on this bomb so it doesn't blow up. Yeah, it won't hurt you. And then, and then they like have a heartfelt moment and like, I'm going to be here with you. How about we don't take this to earth? Cause you're going to destroy a lot of people. Let's take it to Venus. Yeah. And then, then she's like, and then what we die. He's like, maybe, maybe you were dead at one point. <laughs> if you know, now you're here, maybe not. And wouldn't that be something, you know? Yeah. It's like, we'll just see what happens next. And that was the way he put it. So, you know, he go, he, they go in for a kiss and an embrace and they're kind of like, oh, nom, 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 nom. and the episode itself actually ends with uh, everybody kind of, they never actually say what's going to happen. And then they just kind of sh- see that on like the TV news feed. It says arrows to crash land on Venus. Is that where I didn't even notice it? Yeah. And then they had like live footage of it or whatever. Uh, well, I see. I saw the I saw that it crashes somewhere. But like up until the point, like I you actually saw it. Like, is this like the we're we're just kind of drinking away the ending or is this like the the final release kind of shit going on right so miller fucking rode that space station with julie mao into the goddamn fucking fires of venus yep so earth gets another day yep one more to to screw things up <laughs> just, just for the record like at every turn of this fucking show like that is tenuous at best yeah like they really kind of uh kind of play with the fact that it's amazing that earth is still here yeah it's kind of like walking on the edge of a knife you know so one little slip there gonna get cut so what are what are what is there what are the things that we miss in there like it, most of what happens in this episode is all of the visual stuff like it doesn't get too deep into a lot of the politics other than kind of seeing how frail everything really is like how much you really can't just rely on yourself as a nation yeah about the only other parts that we didn't really touch on is um can't think of the uh, the Weasley guy's name, but he was like trying to call uh, Mao and say, get your science experiment under control. Because, oh, you know, we all live here. Yeah. Well, and I, I, honestly, I think he represents that that whole point is like he's the guy who's supposed to be there constantly rational, constantly kind of playing the game, so to speak. Yeah. And he clearly is like losing his shit because, <laughs> yeah, because he, you know, really, the, he, I think deep in his heart, he knows this is his fucking fault. He's the one that backed the science project. Yeah. Kind of green light did the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that played defense for Mao. And now Mao's like, yeah, fuck you, buddy. Yeah. You know, I, I you're only useful in so far as I need you. Yeah. Uh, we got a little got a little uh, insight into Avasarala who called her husband and said that she was not going to evacuate Earth. I mean, she's there's a there's a great line where he's like, so what did I do to, to deserve a, a woman like you? And <laughs> she got very, very lucky. Yeah, very lucky indeed. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be on the other side of her, just saying. No, no, you you wouldn't. And <laughs> and I mean, you get the impression that like for all of her flaws, and I think she she represents, if nothing else, the person that kind of, that will endlessly believe there's hope in politics. Like she believes right. that there is some good able to be gained from that. Yeah, trying to change it from the inside. Yes, like that, that would be the Havasarala, try and change it from the yeah. inside. And... I think maybe that would be my, if I were to give one weakness, I think that they give that a little bit too much credence in the show. Yeah. That it can be changed from the inside. But I think a lot of that has to do with, there's a certain, there's a natural decentralization that happens within this, that right. it, it's very difficult to manage all of the pieces everywhere to maintain control. Like say our world governments currently maintain control. Like it's just to keep all the pieces moving that way. It has to be fucking difficult. So yeah, I actually was. Just, I've just started reading the uh, Foundation books from Asimov. Okay, and 
like that's one of basically what the entire point of the foundation books is that the scientist kind of comes in and realizes that they've the civilization that he's a part of has reached its apex like it's gotten far too massive to maintain itself <laughs> in the far reaches of like space and so little by little it's going to start falling apart and so his his goal is he kind of creates these two these two planets at the exact opposite ends of like space and basically He's he's basically going to try and start over with civilization. So as opposed to taking his his predictions, it'll take thirty thousand years for a galactic civilization like the one that it had to happen again. Right. And his goal is to try and do it in in like a tenth of that time. Something like yeah, that. I don't think it could work. But well, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, this this is but like the idea is that his, essentially his point is is kind of. Uh, Misesian in the way it is because he's just looking at look these are the things that inevitably are going to happen due to human nature and through probability it's like if you were to take like a Misesian approach and combine it with like statistics like statistically the this is the way human beings react to these situations so on a long enough time scale you can't judge what one individual person is going to do so his goal was actually to kind of set it up so that no matter what people would kind of be forced into a box that they could only could only react one way. And when they'd react that way, things would kind of push forward in a certain direction. Yeah. Really, really, really interesting books. And it's kind of, it's why I like this show so much. It kind of ties in with that whole, like we're looking at humanity at a very, very broad scale. Like how would we react in these very... Yeah. You might be able to predict, you know, with a certain amount of accuracy for a large group of people, but going down to the individual, it's, that's going to be difficult. Well, that's exactly. He's like, you can't, you can't, you, you couldn't predict how each individual is going to act. But at a societal level, if you have X amount of people of a certain type and X amount of people of a certain type, they're just, that just reliably happen over time. You can kind of predict how, you know, it might be 900 years or it might be a thousand years until one of them kind of takes up in this action. I mean, even look at our own world history. Like, it's not hard to kind of predict some of the things that happen. Yeah. Because they continue to happen over and over again. Yeah, that's why uh, in our circles we have that uh, that little meme of the words in the in the circular pattern. It says there are offer people are in charge, so we have to get yeah, you know, and it goes kind of goes around. Yeah, so we we kind of understand that. Well, I mean, what's a, is, I I've never actually read it, but isn't that kind of like the whole point of the fourth turning? Yeah, where it's just kind of like going through history and like these are the cycles that societies go through, and this is where we. The book speculates that this is where we are within our own cycle right now. Yeah. And kind of tells you, well, this is what you can expect naturally to come from that. I'm not sure how accurate it is. There's probably a certain amount of like you're mentally going to map it on to what you see emotionally. Yep. But historically, I mean, certain things do tend to happen every couple hundred years. Like you can look and see. Yeah. It's like uh, empires only last for about 300 years. That's where we're coming uh, up on. Hint, hint. hint. <laughs> um. You know, or you look at like banking. How often, when do recessions happen? Yeah, so you know, if you want, it's a pretty good little cycle there. If you want to get into a longer, longer cycle, I mean, we're about a couple tens of thousands of years overdue for a fucking uh, giant uh, volcanic eruption to wipe everything off the planet. Yeah, uh, ice age happens like every twelve thousand years on this planet, so we're starting to get to pretty close to that one since the last one was about eleven thousand years ago. Aren't we actually in an ice age on the planet? Like, uh. I don't know, maybe. Um, like that would have to require a lot of uh, pole shifting. So, <laughs> well, no, I, I'm trying to remember exactly what it is because it, 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 we're, we're or maybe we're coming out of a phase of an ice age and into another one, right? Like, yeah, if you get into a lot of speculation <laughs> at that kind of point, but 
but like I said, so I mean, the idea that you could kind of predict what humanity is going to do isn't entirely far fetched. No, that's the reason why Google spends so much on uh, on on ads because they know what people are clicking on, what they're looking at. So, God damn it, they do. Yep. So, uh, well, it, was there anything else we needed to cover today? Is that kind of no? I think that was the episode. So if if you haven't watched a single episode of it and watch this one, man, this is a it's a doozy. <laughs> Yeah, this one's a doozy. It's gonna be it's gonna be a whole lot of visual <laughs> excitement. I actually like Liz kind of like watches while she's walking around the house and I make Liz, if there's gonna be an episode that you actually fucking watch, please just sit down and watch this one because like <laughs> Yeah, right. It looks cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the whole part where he's walking around with the proto molecule just kind of floating around in the air, like little wisps. And at no point did it attack him, by the way. He's carrying a fucking no, nuclear no. weapon. So like that's that's one of the more interesting things to me is just like, what is this proto molecule? What the fuck is it? Like how how does it decide what's an enemy, when it's going to attack, when it's going to fucking turn you into it? Like, it's clearly it's able to learn and think at a level that is at least surpassing humans, considering it managed to turn an entire fucking yeah. asteroid into a, a ship. Yeah, or maybe they knew he was going to go and talk to Julie Malinda, piloting the uh, the station somewhere else. No, maybe did it? Did it? it maybe some is, kind of precognitive abilities going on there. Who the hell knows? I mean, there's an awful lot of uh, chemical reaction going on down there that. Perhaps it may use. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to find out in future episodes. <laughs> Man, if only. It's going to suck that we lost Miller, though, right? Uh, yeah. We didn't, we didn't really dwell on the fact that this was the last Miller episode. Yeah, my my, my guy, you know, just kind of burned up in a, in a giant ball of fire on a ball of fire. So well, so. <laughs> well, all of the ladies are thinking, good, another guy in a fedora burned yeah. up in the sun. Yes. With, with, a, with a really shitty mohawk. <laughs> I love a shitty mohawk. Yeah. So... All right, folks. Well, this was episode 15 of Anarchy in Space, covering episode five of season two of The Expanse. Yep. Why don't you give us those technicals and we'll get on out of here there, Eric. Oh, I kind of knew you were going to say that. And then I went ahead and shut it down because I thought we were bringing it to a close. So this one was titled uh, Home and uh, it actually had a 0.6 rating. So it was a little bit up from the last time. Uh, this one was directed by David Grossman, written by Mark Fergus and Hawk Ospi. Uh, and it uh, premiered February 22nd, 2017. Nice. So, a little bit of a ratings bump, but not uh, not too drastic. It's crazy. I'm just like trying to think, like, trying to justify in the world, like how poorly the show did on TV to like where it is now where <laughs> everybody loves The Expanse. Right. Yeah. And I'm even hearing like regular people like talk about it. <laughs> it's Amazon, man. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like, okay, people. I'd said, you know what that is? That's how little people actually watch television. That's true. They watch on their computers. Amazon is yep. the new TV. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, one of those uh, studies that they done to try to find out how little people actually watch. And they found out they watch a ton of it. It's just not on the, the regular stations anymore. They go to Hulu or Netflix or Amazon to watch everything now. And and then all these companies trying to start their own fucking... Uh, streaming services. Yeah. Their, their own streaming services. They're going to fail, most of them. Like, I don't think they realize that like, it's the hub. People want to have a place they can go to to watch stuff. Yep. They don't want to do what you have always done. That's the point. <laughs> so if you try and make them do it again, they're going to find a way around it again. That's right. Oh, well. One number I would be interested to see is like, what are the, the pirated versions doing? Like, are those going down as the streaming services are going up? That would be an interesting yeah. number to see. I would have to imagine that uh, probably doesn't change much. Yeah, that could be up. I mean, ultimately, they're the people that are going to, I mean, it's not like anything's changed. It's, Maybe a little easier than fucking recording something, having your friend recording something on VHS for you. Right. Like, that's a thing. Like, they all they have to, what they really have to do is make it, make it easier 
to fucking uh, make it easier for you to get the stuff than it is to steal it. Yeah. 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 Uh, kind of, you know, it's uh, one of the ways that uh, we like to talk about uh, borders and immigration. It was like, well, just make it really easy for immigration. People will stop coming over illegally. And then you can fucking know where every last one of them is if you want to. That's right. I don't particularly like that part of it, but, you know, at least that's something that they're not, you're not trying to kill them all. So, yeah. <laughs> Most consistent motherfucker, you know, my ass. <laughs> so, all right, folks, go out, have a good day, watch some good sci fi. Yes. Peace.